It's abundantly clear that being a princess isn't all that it's cracked up to be. I just didn't want to be alive anymore. But the dream of being a princess never dies in our culture. Stories of regal pomp and being swept away by a handsome prince are still some of the first that today's young girls encounter. And for adults, princess core continues to be a popular aesthetic on TikTok, proving that this dream lasts well into adolescence and beyond. I feel like such a Disney princess in this. What's surprising about the enduring popularity of princesshood is that over the past few years, real-life princess fairy tales have been exposed in the press as apparently pretty nightmare marish realities. Full of press intrusions, familial pressure, a lack of agency, gossip, and scandal. Arguably, Meghan Markle's whole public narrative arc has been of the girl who loved the idea of becoming a princess and then was utterly let down by learning what that truly meant. There's really nothing we can do because of who you're dating. It's like, so I'm just supposed to live like this? Whether you interpret what the royals endure as a level of stress that's offset by a lot of perks or truly scarring psychological abuse, it's clear that being a princess is nothing like the fantasies many of us carry from birth onward. So why does Princess Core persist for today's adults and new generations? It's become more than just a duty for me. I love this country. Here's our take on Princess Core and why it seems immune to facts about what it really means to be a princess. When people aspire to the princess life, what is it they're actually aspiring to? It's telling that the Princess Core trend really began to take off online during the pandemic. After the bucolic serenity of cottagecore that exploded in the early stages of lockdown, Princess Core was more opulent. As Glamour's Jenny Singer writes, We already have a cultural practice of getting dressed up and taking pictures for the internet. Why stop at crop tops and summer dresses? I do not understand why it is not socially acceptable for me to wear Renaissance garb. Also, given the princess aesthetic is such a throwback to childhood, its boom during lockdown was a kind of regression. As psychotherapist Lori Gottlieb writes, whenever we're in a stressful situation, we tend to regress. Going back to a time in our lives when we felt safe and when we felt protected is a natural instinct during these times. I don't know if it's lockdown or just something else. I want pretty dresses. Another huge influence here was Bridgerton, which first dropped on Netflix over Christmas 2020 and ushered in the period drama as upfront fantasy. The colorblind casting and chamber music orchestrations of contemporary pop songs created an aesthetic that had one foot in the past and one firmly in the modern era of social media. Titled, chaste, and innocent. This is what they have been raised and trained for since birth. The princess phase is one that seemingly every young girl goes through, and you can see why. Fairy tales and Disney films are some of the first cultural products we're introduced to growing up, and the other roles women play in these stories are, for the most part, princesses. They get the big castle, the flowing dresses, the happily ever after. She was a princess worth waiting for. Beloved by all, she led her kingdom with all the grace and wisdom that her parents did before her. But as adults, we have to wonder what truly kids are learning it is to be a princess. Does it mean to live a life without hard work and be waited on by a full staff of servants? To live a life of over-the-top opulence? To be at the center of a story where an entire kingdom finds your life choices significant? To experience life-changing romance? Adults, meanwhile, have the benefit of hindsight and facts about what actual princesses have had to endure, as we're more aware than ever of what goes on behind the palace gates. So why do kids and adults still aspire to something that's such a questionable fantasy to begin with? And, it's clearer than ever, is nothing like that dream in reality. 
Over the past few years, the grim reality of what being a princess is really like has been made clear. In the case of Meghan Markle, her story felt like a real-life Cinderella tale, this ordinary girl falling in love with the prince. Okay, she was a semi-famous actress, but still a naive-feeling woman from across the pond who was relatively unknown on the global stage. And she got a fairy tale royal wedding that added inclusive and modern touches while still channeling the classic romance of royal glamour. Fuses that that sophistication that and chicness that Meghan brings to her outfit that it's got that real romance, it's beautiful. But this introduction made the fall from grace all the more dramatic. At first, it was just the reality of the press intrusion and how hard Meghan found it to be in such an often harsh spotlight. Not many people have asked if I'm okay. But things steadily got worse. There were the constant comparisons to Kate and the rumored feud between them, the couple's secession from the monarchy altogether and how that precipitated a wave of revelations about Meghan's treatment, the fears around what skin color her baby might have, the extent of her depression, and the lack of support she received. And after all these revelations, the tabloid press attacked her even more. When it comes to compassion and empathy, where's Meghan's been for her own father? The British public increasingly turned on her, and she's found herself taking harsh criticisms from both conservative who made her a culture war figure, and the more mainstream public that accuses her of excessively playing the victim. We are here because privacy is a basic human right. How many more princes and his wives have to live in this nightmare? Perhaps what was most shocking and uncomfortable about Meghan's trajectory, though, was it wasn't truly new or even, if you look at history, that surprising. The pattern closely mirrored the treatment received by Princess Diana over two decades prior. She too began as a royal starlet, embodying everything about the princess dream before she was ground down by the tabloids and the pressures placed upon her by the firm. Diana long preceded Meghan in being open about her mental health struggles and how difficult the reality of being a princess actually was, in an era where speaking out was even harder. Those women who have taken on the heavy burden of attending to others need also to be attended, not just for their own sake, but for the good of us all. And Diana didn't have a devoted partner who was willing to put her health and safety first. Diana's death was a direct result of this treatment she got from the tabloids. So Harry's and Meghan's extrication from royal life was directly linked to the fear that becoming a princess can literally cost your life. My biggest concern was history repeating itself. Also, aside from safety concerns, across history we can see how being a princess is actually quite a lot of work and comes with more restrictions than it does freedoms. Princess Margaret was famously barred from marrying her first love, Captain Peter Townsend, because he was a divorcee. Zara Phillips, daughter of Princess Anne, said she was lucky not to grow up with a royal title because of the life she was afforded in comparison to her cousins William and Harry. Even Kate Middleton, who is a much beloved princess and very likely to be the future queen, is increasingly dealing with a lot of unpleasantness as the price of that, like hypercritical articles and a forensic analysis of every tiny detail of her life that's caught on camera. When William puts his hand on Kate's shoulder and Kate seems to shrug off the PDA. There it is right there. Oh, do you see it? The popular idea of a fairy tale romance and glamour can't last long at all under this kind of scrutiny under a microscopic lens. Instead, the reality is claustrophobic, akin to living in a glass cage. On film, we typically still get the more idealized image of being a princess, especially in the entire Hallmark Christmas movie genre. But with some examples like Corsage and Grace of Monaco, we are starting to see the more difficult side reflected, where one's agency is sublimated because of the weight of their royal responsibility. So if the princess dream is persisting despite us knowing how hard this life actually is, maybe the princess dream isn't even about royalty anymore. Maybe the aesthetic is a vehicle for something else.
We may be tempted to write off girls embracing princess culture as just proof that they're being manipulated by consumerism, but for psychologist Dr. Susan Scheftel, it's more developmental, saying, In clinging to pink and princess culture, perhaps a girl is celebrating and acknowledging a variety of things. Her gendered body, her generative capacities, her ability to captivate and mesmerize, as all children can, as well as her place in the surrounding culture. There's also been a steady unpicking of people's assumptions about the lessons princess culture teaches young girls. Researcher Sarah Coyne interviewed over 100 10 and 11-year-olds and found that girls who were obsessed with princess culture at five were actually more likely to hold progressive views about gender roles. To advocate for both female empowerment and for men to express their emotions at age 10, and also that princess culture has a positive effect on body image. In that sense, Princess Core isn't really about royalty as much as it's about femininity. In style and cosplay videos, the aesthetic works as a way to reclaim elements of femininity that women have been made to feel bad about, or that previously had more uncomfortable associations with old-fashioned, archaic notions of what a woman could be. We see Princess Core baking videos, a celebration of corsets as a fashion item, and a proud embrace of the color pink. What do you do on those days that you don't feel that confident or fearless or powerful like you did out there? Uh, pretend. Princess Core is also changing. Instead of still being just about white, Eurocentric beauty standards, now the royal aesthetic is being open to a wider array of people. Not just through examples like Meghan Markle, but also through films like The Princess and the Frog and Disney casting Hailey Bailey as Ariel in their upcoming live-action Little Mermaid. She's black! Is Ariel? Is her? Is the real her? And Princess Core is open to all who embrace femininity, with expressions like gay Princess Core and trans Princess Core. So, thinking about what it really means to be a princess and embrace this aesthetic, maybe the reason it's endured for so long is because of feeling seen. Princesses, princes, kings, and queens, these roles, on the one hand, exemplify the kind of social and financial inequality that so many people are turning against. They're about select elites ruling over the masses for no good reason except the happenstance of birth or marriage. But the princess fantasy almost feels completely separate from this, a conscious choice to preserve emblems of classic femininity while opening them up to wider groups. Welcome to Black Princess Tour. So maybe we've got this backwards. Instead of thinking about how the reality of being a princess should have killed the princess fantasy, maybe it's exactly the endurance of the princess fantasy that has made people more intentional and more critical of what being a princess actually actually is. Leaning into Princess Core has made people, especially young girls, feel powerful, feel special, feel seen, and feel themselves. That's the take! Click here to watch a video we think you'll love, or here to check out a whole playlist of awesome content. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications!